there are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio Studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Welcome back to the show about money. Hi-Fi Radio on the Global Radio Network, 640 in Toronto. Your host, Moi O.C. Wolfgang Klein, Portfolio Manager. I'm responsible for a couple hundred million bucks, and I sleep well at night. Uh, no mean feat, shall I say. Jack Hartle, co-host of the show, uh, producer extraordinaire, which means he has to book a couple guests. Does a good job of that. And, uh, well, he went up to the oil patch, put his boots on, counted a few rigs for me, and found this guy named Rafi Tamazian. Uh, brought him into the studio. Rafi uh, works for Canoe. Uh, Canoe is a company that is owned uh, part and partially by Brett Wilson. We've had Brett Wilson on radio, a big Canadian philanthropist, very successful Canadian entrepreneur, uh, and a very, very smart man. Uh, smart enough to hire Rafi Tamazian. Yeah. 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 So, we, so Rafi runs our oil, uh, some of our oil money for us, shall I say. Uh, Rafi's been in a tough space. Uh, but I'm not going to pity Rafi too much, um, you know. I I, I, just, I can still dress well. You dress very, yeah. very well, Rafi. You do. You yeah. do. In spite uh, of my my market. The, your, your bracelets remind me of a gypsy. Oh, thanks. I my like mom, them. My mom would really appreciate that. They're cool. Is it a little skull and bone thing? Yeah, on? yeah. It's this. I'm. I'm it, what is, what, what is out in the oil patch? What do the boys think about that when they yeah, see that on you? Yeah, I, I probably come across short East Indian guy. <laughs> And they're like, wow, you sound like a redneck. And yet then we see you in real life and you're shorter than we thought and you're darker than we thought. <laughs> <laughs> you tan well, yeah. which, which is a good thing. Right. Which is a good thing. Your yeah. skin looks good. Very, very nice. Um, so energy is tough. Uh, Jack and I have been very underweight energy. I loathe, I hate, uh, I am so not interested in energy. Why? Because it's not working. Uh, but, but, it's but, as simple as that. That's what great investors do. And I think Rafi sees probably value uh, when others are shunning that, that space right now. So you got to recognize that oil is cyclical, right? We're, I'm not saying we're at the very bottom, but we're certainly not at the peak with oil valuations. So I think that great investors take advantage of those trough valuations and multiples. And over the long term, you, you look at it and say that it's you know, cyclical and at some point things are going to get better, whether it's politically better or just global investment saying that, you know, it's just too cheap here right now in the oil patch. So Rafi Tamazian, uh, Canoe Energy Oil Fund, how are you positioned for 2019? Uh, well, very similar position to Jack. Jack hit the nail on the head. Um, I look for putting the capital to work when I see value, and we put that capital to work in January of 2017 because mm-hmm. we saw value. Right. And we've been in a holding pattern in energy since then. In that period of time, and again, Jack, you said it again. You said it's either going to work cyclically or politically. In Canada energy is going to come back based on the political environment. And will that change? Because we have a government currently that is, uh, we think is out, out west is trying to submarine the industry. It, globally, the energy market uh, is in a holding pattern waiting for the natural supply and demand to work out. And there's been games being played with supply on both sides, the uh, Trump cartel and the OPEC cartel, I call them. Hmm. And then what's happening in the meantime on that? Demand keeps growing aggressively. You've had, the last two years, you've had over 1.3 million barrels per day per year growing our our global consumption of oil. Which is now at about 100 million barrels per day. Yeah. That's right, folks. 
100 million barrels of crude are burned each and every day. It's ironic because uh, we have Demi Shalkas coming on. She's a car racer, a female car racer, and uh, she loves combustible motors. Yeah, but you know what's interesting? Again, we all drive in the streets. We see congested cities. We see vehicles on the road. Every now and then we hear or do not hear an electric car right. go by us as you're walking in and out of parking lots. Oh, take back the car might be hybrid or electric, I just said to him yep. uh, this morning. But um, we had uh, Jed on last week, Jed. Uh, good name for a Boston boy, Jack. I was going to ask him about that name, Jed. Uh, Jed Dorsheimer, right? Our analyst. Uh, such, such not a Boston name, more of a Calgary name. Well, I was, was going to say it's more of like out in the mountains. It Here is, comes Jed. But Jed, Jed's brilliant. Uh, Jed was also a downhill skier. I gravitated towards that man very, very quickly. Uh, point to raise is Jed believes by 2050, in 30 years, it was, no, sorry, no, 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 by, sorry, by 2030, by 2030, Rafi, he believes 50% of cars purchased will be EV as opposed to ICE, ICE being internal combustible engine. 2030, so yeah, that 50%. would be a billion, that would be almost a billion cars, just to be clear. How many? Uh, almost a billion cars, that means. Because by 2035, it's expected that where there'll be 1.9 billion cars in the world. Okay. But well, I was going to say, the case that he really made uh, on the so, show last week. So, sorry, no, so I can interrupt. But yeah, so by 2050, uh, experts are saying 2.5 billion cars right. on the road. By 2050. Yeah. But currently, what vehicles uh, sold per annum, uh, it is 2 million in Canada, roughly 20 million cars sold per year in the United States. Correct, Jack? Uh, another 20 per year, I think, sold now in China. About that, yeah. Uh, so the world vehicle consumption, I'm going to guess, 70, is it 70 million, Jack? You know, I just, just, My guess would be about 80. 80 million. Yeah. So but, by 2030, to think that the world is going to be able to produce 40 million cars per year of an electric vehicle and to be able to propel those with batteries, I don't know if Jed's off his rocker or not but well the, 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 the case the case that he makes the case that he makes is that it's uh, a better technology so it's way more efficient you can get 80 percent efficiency with electric vehicle uh, theoretically i think you get 90 with internal combustion engine we're only really getting 20 percent efficiency where i think theoretically you can get 40 but either way you have a, a cost parity that uh, i think intersects around 2025 so that's when consumers are really going to start to demand these electric vehicles. I don't know if 50% is going to be the right number by 2030, but the point is you get a better product that's more efficient, better for the environment. People will demand that. And I think Rafi talked about that at a, at a lunch we had probably about a month ago. Polaroid was not taken out of the market because uh, Polaroid was taken out of the market because a better technology came along. Right, it wasn't because people attacked Polaroid. Right, yeah. correct. Well, more with Rafi Tamazian, uh, our energy guru uh, from Calgary. You know, we're we're better to find a oil guy than Calgary. You know, if you want to find an investment advisor, you're going to go to Bay Street. Right, that's where Jack and I work. You want to get an oil expert, you're going to go to Alberta. Uh, more with Rafi right after this. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And listen to my story about a man named Jed. A poor mountaineer barely kept his family fed. And then one day he was shooting at some food. And up through the ground come a bubbling crude. Oil, that is, black gold. Jack, I've always wanted to learn how to play the banjo. Um, and you and I were just talking about how Warren Buffett plays the... Ukulele. The ukulele. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to have to hand in maybe my Fender. Uh, and buy myself a banjo, or maybe buy both. But I'm gonna buy both. That's what baby boomers do. Although I'm a Gen Xer. Uh, so once you're done your cooking classes, then you can go off to the music session over at uh, George Brown's. Is that the plan on Sunday mornings? You know, there, my good friend, we cook with gas. 
And we have Rafi Tamezi in the studio here. Uh, but Rafi, before we get into NAC gas and pipelines, I want to ask you about pipelines. Jack and I just bought uh, a pretty uh, aggressive company called Enbridge. <sighs> Hope we make money with that one. <laughs> but um, no, if the world is able to produce um, 50 million electric vehicles by 2030, there still will be on the roads, you know, you said one and a half billion cars by 2050, two and a half billion combustible cars. My point is, if we go as electric as Jed Dorsheimer analysts believes we could in, in 10 years, what will happen to the price of crude? Or more importantly, what happened to, to demand for crude? Would, would it take 30 million barrels out of the demand equation? No, uh, if you're doing, again, the key is producing half the cars are electric at that point. Mm -hmm. That It is not that half the cars will be electric. No, it's half of new, half of cars, new sold, cars sold. sold. Right, correct. So, so by year 30, you'd correct. make up. Yep. So on that assumption, we do that math too. We come up with somewhere between 300 and 400 million electric vehicles by 2030, 35 roughly. On the, on the road? Yeah. Okay. And that, that'll bring uh, oil consumption down by about four and a half million barrels a day. That's it. And, and, yep, and but, but between now and then, the world will probably ramp up to 110 million barrel oh, consumption. No more than that because... The vehicles you just said are coming regardless. Yeah. Those ones alone. Yeah, like the ones in Cuba, for example, yeah, the ones the, in Jamaica. The, the ones that are being made that are not electric are going to account for about 18 million new barrels a day. Mm -hmm. So getting rid of these combustible cars, it, it's not having a big impact on the oil consumption, but getting those electric cars on the road are going to reduce emissions dramatically. Mm -hmm. So it's a good thing to have, but it's not going to slow the pace enough for supply that oil oil it, consumption for vehicles is only 20% of the 100 million barrels mm -hmm. that's it so the 20 million barrels a year a day we use for cars right the other 80 right we're going to reduce that we're going to grow it to about 30 mm -hmm. 35 and then reduce that by 5 call it i see so, with these electric so you still believe in 10 years we will be consuming more oil than we are today on the planet, the, period. The biggest misnomer out there, misunderstanding, is is clearly that the, the, the addiction the world has to oil and, and the misunderstanding of how much we use it. You know, a, the, 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 only, the only time we actually use less oil is when we have economic contraction. You can look at the recessions yeah. and the, the crisis that we had in 2008. Those are the periods of time when economic activity slows down where we actually consume less. And that's over the last probably and, 100 years. And the key there is a, we've never had, an, an, in the last 50 years, a negative consumption growth. They're all It's always growing. It's just the, how much we grow. In the biggest recession in the last 25 years, we still grew that year by 400,000 barrels a day per, per day per year. Fascinating. You know, again, what's, what I find interesting about crude is when you take it right down to the boots on the ground approach. And Jack, you talked to me and I talked about this uh, in the office a number of times, is my little steel chainsaw. How little gasoline I need to put into my steel chainsaw right. and how much work that little thing does. Well, no, no, uh, no, 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 I'm able to drop a tree, this big tree, I'm able to drop it within five minutes. Hopefully I survive. Um, <laughs> and then I can chop up into, uh, on, on ounces of, of And that, of that's with a technology that is only 20 to 30% efficient, right? Yeah, yeah, correct. Right. But you right. look at gas, we've talked about it before. You, you buy a bottle of water, it's going to cost you $2. Oh. You buy a liter of gasoline. A liter. A liter, a liter of gasoline, right. Yeah, and it costs you, I don't know, 99 cents or something like that, depending on the grade. Um, Raffi, let, let's, let's uh, pivot to the pipeline stocks. Uh, Jack and I just bought some Enbridge for our portfolios. Um, you know, get a 6% dividend on the name. There obviously appears to be a continued shortage of pipeline uh, or pipe 
in Canada. Uh, so what do you think of the entire space, the, 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 the pipples of the world, uh, the ipples of the world, the traps, uh, the keystone? As, as an investable vehicle for the next five to 10 years in Canada. Yeah, I think uh, the speculative investor would take a more aggressive approach today. And someone who uh, is less speculative will wait till f- the fall after the election because that will... I mean, Bill C-69 is in front of the Senate right now. That would... Uh, a, neg- a negative outcome there, if the Senate puts it forward in some form, uh, that would be probably viewed... That you're going to get... Uh, uh, hurt there a little bit, I think, uh, because 69 is basically ending our ability to put pipelines in the ground. So, uh, uh, so there, would, would that not then benefit the existing pipe infrastructure and give it higher value because it's basically running full board? It, it does, but these these pipelines are reliant on expansion, right? That that is the plan, yeah, the right? Growth yeah. valuation, yeah, yeah, and you you so the scarcity premium won't be offset by the lack of growth. They, well, still, you, they still need to move more barrels per year to, to generate those yields that we're looking for in the long-term capital appreciation, I think. Yeah, and the tolls that are set, and they have to expire. And if all that means is the tolls are going to go higher when they expire, mm-hmm. that's 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 going to be a disintegrating industry. The oil industry will be just disintegrating as a result. And that's really what I think, you know, uh, and as, such, and as such, with your fund, the Canoe Energy Fund, Rafi Tamazian, by the way, um, you have a lot more of your assets now outside of Canada? Oh, yeah. We're uh, almost 70% of our assets are outside Canada, uh, directly and indirectly. In other words, we still own Canadian companies that are domiciled here with foreign assets. So that's included in that. Yep. And that amounts to almost 70%. And, and and your biggest holdings, give us your top top three or five biggest holdings? Uh, on the income fund, our biggest holding is actually Royal Dutch Shell. And it's producing a 5.5% yield. It's, I, I you, you know, no one gets hurt. No one moves, no one gets hurt, but it's what a, what a great valuation in this environment. Um, on the other side, uh, a Canadian company producing out of the Dakotas called Enterplus. Oh, we own that. Yeah. Very good. Very we're, we're in good company with that one there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Rafi Tamazian, uh, I wish you success in 2019. By the way, your fund year to date is up about, 10%. Which, about 10%. But last year, the it's fund was better, down. How much? Down 30% last year. Yeah. My point is, when you're dealing with cyclicals, uh, boy, you got to get the cycle in your favor. You obviously got long a little early. Yeah. Uh, but if you can stretch your time, you will make money. Without question, you're going to make very, very good money. Because once you get some tail of your back, the, uh, the, the, the trajectory, the rate of change uh, will, I think, work in your favor. The fundamentals around the investment thesis back in early 17 hasn't changed. And so we're still there. We're right. committed to it. I appreciate your time, Rafi. Uh, wish you success. Help make our clients a little bit more money. Uh, they're counting on you. Yeah, I appreciate friend. your support. Absolutely. Well, we're going to talk to a race car driver, Demi Chalkis, uh, coming up on Hi-Fi Radio right after this. Money. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the show, Hi-Fi Radio. This is a show about money, careers, uh, taking risks, uh, managing risk, volatility. Managing risk is a big one, Wolf. Yeah. B- big one. And it's, you know, there's a little uh, music weaved into the show, you know, a little high fidelity. And uh, so I said, we have Demi Shalkis coming on air. Please, uh, Dusty, our producer, um, put on uh, I'm in Love With My Car by Queen. And Jack pipes up, hey, Wolf. That song's on that record you gave me. And in fact, you know what I did with that record? Because I got a turntable at Babler Radio. I played the whole thing. I even turned it over and played the other side, cover to cover. 
Yeah, that's what we do with Final Jack. Uh, I'm sure I was caught in the middle, digital boy versus analog vinyl. But Jack, uh, I, yeah, love the album you gave me. Yeah, when 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 Jack wanted to go um, analog, he uh, pulled out his dad's uh, eight track and uh, started with that. I said, no, 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 we gotta go, we gotta go with vinyl here, my good friend. Anyways, I digress. Uh, Demi Shalkis, our um, car racer, our female car racer. I I don't mean to be uh, gender specific, but <laughs> in that sport, I think it is actually very very relevant. Um, how you doing? I've been well. Thank you for having me back. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, no, it's it's an absolute treat. Uh, saw you on Instagram at the car show. Uh, you know, oil. We just had our oil man on, Rafi Tamazian. He's out. Uh, he's an Albertan boy. He runs our oil fund. Uh, I would say we've been talking electric vehicles the last couple of weeks as well. We had uh, Jed Deutschheimer, uh, one okay. of our tech analysts, talking about that and just the uh, the disruption that's going on in the automotive space You, you, right you now. won't like Jed because ultimately he says you're not going to be driving a car. It's going to be done autonomously. <laughs> uh, so I want to you know, bring you back in studio. Just, uh, you know, we're at what they call, when it comes to the automotive cycle, um, Chuck, what is the phrase again? Uh, when you get long cycle with automotive, you're getting towards the tail end of the peak, buying cycle. Peak production? Peak, oh, no, peak, peak uh, not peak demand. And we'll get back. But as the economy gets long in the tooth, the automotive cycle becomes mature and then it rolls over uh, and into a recession and the new cycle begins. So uh, you, you look at the automotive stocks, the street has been concerned. When is the cycle going to end? Because it is extended. They've really uh, been concerned about that though for the, probably the last correct. two, three, at some point they're going to be right, but it's been going on for at least three, four years. Correct. It is getting long in the tooth. But uh, Demi, at the auto show, tell us, what, what are the trends? What caught your attention? What do you think is going to sell and which brands really, really dominated? Yeah, so one brand specifically for me that really stood out was Genesis. And Genesis is a new brand uh, for the most part in the automotive industry. They were essentially uh, Hyundai Genesis for those of you who might remember. But as of 2016, they completely separated. So they're their own brand, different manufacturer, different platform. But the cars that they're coming out with are, are stunning vehicles and value for dollar. They blew me away. And they had this gorgeous concept car out on display. And I was like a little kid. I'm like, can you open the doors? <laughs> and then you just, you literally just put your two fingers on it. It scans, I guess, your fingerprints and such. And it just opens the door like Gullwing style. And so Genesis really blew me away. Obviously, I was working with Cadillac. I was the performance specialist with them. And they had, uh, I was mostly showcasing the CTSV. And that car is just, it's an absolute sleeper if you don't know Cadillac. 640 horsepower, real wheel drive. Like the thing is just a monster. So that was uh, that was really good. And uh, one booth also too that stood out was the Autostrada booth. And it's a magazine company run by a gentleman by the name of Lucas Garfone. But the cars that he had on display, he had one car that uh, Angelina Jolie drove in Gone in 60 Seconds. Like some of these cars were valued over $4 million. And yeah, so, but I, I think out of all the brands genesis just as a as a new um brand to the automotive industry really stood out the most to me interesting uh so it was a spinoff from hyundai essentially yeah so you know what lexus is to toyota the mm -hmm. luxury version of toyota yeah that's what genesis is to hyundai and um and so, the, so is it still under the hyundai umbrella uh, it is of cars? yeah okay. yeah 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 so and and even just their 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 approach to the automotive industry is so unique and different they all they only have at-home services everything's online so if you wanted to test drive one of their vehicles, they come straight to your home or to your workplace. I'm on their website right here. And I, 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 is this a pizza company? We come to your home? Uh, <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that incredible? Because I've seen the logo, I think. Again, I have a pretty sharp eye when it comes to cars. I can just tell. I don't know why. I guess I drive for fair, but I can tell yeah. a brand from, from a distance. And I think the Genesis has a little round 
emblem on the back of it with, of course, a silver round emblem. Is that correct? So it essentially looks very similar to the Aston Martin or Bentley um, emblem. Oh, yeah. I see. Oh, yeah. so, oh, oh, that's it, the little wings? Yeah, with the wings on it, yeah. Isn't that also what one of the um, Chrysler's had? With the, the big, what was that, the, the Model S? The, uh, yeah, there's something like the Chrysler 300s, too. They had uh, similar badging, but... Um, huh. Yeah, different, obviously, what, in their what, own sense. What about the electric vehicle? Because that's obviously where, uh, you know, Canaccord is a company that, that invests a lot of money into technology. We, we specialize in helping companies in the tech world, yeah. in the health sciences world as well, uh, raise money. It's one of our areas of expertise. So Jack and I are trying to look forward because yeah. uh, the world of investing is all about finding the next good idea. You know, they're gone are the uh, buggy whips and the... Uh, the horse-drawn carriage is my good friend. So you, the, the mode of transportation is changing. It is. I it be, is. I want to be. I want personally. I want to be a, a trekkie and get beamed up and around. Uh, please get rid of my car. Uh, <laughs> Beam me here. Beam me there. See me. I'm like <laughs> as soon as my cars become illegal on these roads, I'm shipping them to somewhere in this world where, where I can, uh, where I can take them. But I think, uh, and we can touch on this as well. Yeah. Um, I think manufacturers are actually, in my mind, uh, they might even be going past electric and just going straight into AI. So I was in Las Vegas earlier in January. And um, I was there for CES. It's one of the biggest tech fairs. Consumer Electronics Show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was down there with one of my sponsors, and I had some time to take a look around. And I think it was Hyundai. Um, They're like, in the next 7 to 12 years, they're going to be in in production of what looked like a pod. And you don't do anything. You can work out in it. You can watch documentaries in it. Like, you're literally just sitting in this spaceship, and it's driving for you. So essentially what they want to go for is is completely AI. You're not touching the vehicle, and, it, and it's and it's uh, it's self communication within the vehicles, so that they're communicating with themselves to keep a constant flow of traffic, to keep everything going, and they're communicating with themselves, and you and you're literally just sitting in this pod. Sitting in a pod, eh, as opposed to 650 horsepower of combustion taking place. That's a nice big, to get around. big V8 supercharged engine. I mean, that's where I'm gonna. That's where my heart stays. So, <laughs> De- Demi Chalkis, uh, race car driver. Uh, car buff. Uh, I can tell it's in your blood. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Tesla uh, right after the break on Hi-Fi Radio, Global News Radio, 640 in Toronto. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, money. more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the show, Hi-Fi Radio, Wolfgang Klein, your host, Jack Earl, your You know, Jack, I saw Stone Temple Pilots, <laughs> Stone, <laughs> yes, uh, STP, I saw them right across the street from this chorus studio, that uh, was once the warehouse. Uh, oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, I saw them too, they, they opened up for the Stones in the early 90s, I saw them play as well. Amazing band, yeah. eh? Yeah, yeah. With, with his megaphone, Scott Whelan's megaphone. Yeah, they got, a, they got a unique sound, that's for sure. But I saw his last performance, right here in Toronto, oh, yeah. 50 yards away from us. Yeah, but uh, that was Interstate Love Song. Uh, I say that because we have Demi Shalkas in studio. She's a car buff. Uh, how many kilometers do you actually put on a track? You do race per year. I mean, riding around your little ovals. 
Like speed wise or no, no, actual, no, actual like, kilometers. Oh, I couldn't even count that to be honest with you. You know, you know, you know, you know Jack's neighbors are doing up in the Muskoka's right now, or they were a yeah, couple of days ago. Yeah, tell, last tell week. Them, Jack, tell them, Jack. Yeah, well, last week they were trying to set, I think, the the twenty four hour record for uh, snowmobile driving. No. Yeah, yeah, I think they did three thousand kilometers within twenty four hours. What? And where are they doing this? Like on a on, trail? Or well, it was on a, a big. It was on a big oval. I think they averaged over hundred miles an on hour. Lake. On the lake, Lake what? Muskoka, right? Yeah, it was an eight kilometer track that they did. It was unbelievable. I think they were raising. Money for I think it was breast cancer. But I'm oh, not they're sure. raising money, eh? yeah. Oh, oh that's and, and it was Polaris actually that donated the sleds, and they had some mechanics there. And uh, no way, yeah, it turned out but to you be. Said, what's the what's the 24 hour race? Uh, the Lamaze series, something yeah, like that. Yeah, so the Rolex something 24. Like, yeah, I something was actually like that. There. Oh yeah. 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 That Incredible. So, so, anyways, they, they beat the record. And long story short, they beat the record, which was amazing. Well, but good, did, didn't you say one of the drivers uh, rode that Polaris snow machine at 100 mile an hour for one hour straight? That was the average over the, the period of time, over 24 hours. They were doing over 100 miles an hour. There was, oh. I, I think they had four drivers. Well, but wow. so one machine basically running 24 hours straight at 100 mile an hour. Uh, on an eight kilometer track. Uh, right. Uh, we, we, so we, don't, we, don't tell Demi. She's going to do it on a try and beat this. But anyways. <laughs> I'm starting to get ideas. I have <laughs> yeah. a snowmobile myself. But that says a lot for Polaris too and their quality of engines. Yeah. I, so. I think they had to turn out one of the machines. They had to sub in a new one yeah uh, but they did a lot of repairs throughout the the race and it was a good event and uh, they raised money for a worthy cause of course uh, Demi I'm going to have some fun with you because I like to do a little pop quiz and if you look hard you can actually look at my cheat notes here um, Tesla you know where they got the name for Tesla I have no idea gentleman named Nikolai Tesla born in 1856 died uh, at the age of 86 in 1943 and there's actually a documentary on him uh, and he was the man who uh, uh, best known for his contribution to the design of the modern alternating currency AC electric supply system uh, that is really what revolutionized no uh, the uh, electric field and did you know Demi that in <laughs> 1920 uh, 40% of vehicles and I wish you would have test drove one of those were steam engine yeah <laughs> 40% 40% were electric. Yeah. And 20% were ice. You know what ice is? Ice. Internal combustion engine. Oh, okay. I have to, we have to get That's an acronym. <laughs> yes, it's an acronym. Yes. And sure. I, I think Demi, we would get Demi like an ice t-shirt. Yeah, I would Demi, rock that one. <laughs> <laughs> so um, to tell us, what's your opinion of an electric vehicle? Yeah, I mean, you know, in terms of... Uh, the world and, and, and being healthier for the environment. Um, I do agree with it. Um, I know that um, even in racing, they're really trying to push formula, uh, formula E and such. And now they've, uh, they've now substituted it where the cars can actually last the, the full duration of the race. They don't have to do the, the car switch. And um, so they're really trying to push that. And electric cars in general, I mean, obviously, as a, as a car enthusiast myself who likes to restore and modify uh, vintage cars and, you know, it's not my type of vehicle, but I can respect it. Let me ask you, let, 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 let's pivot here, mm-hmm. um, Demi. You, you used the word vintage vehicles. I, too, like vintage vehicles. I think yeah. they're pretty cool. Um, who was a hockey player I mentioned, uh, Jack, that was on that television show? Uh, they, they did some television show where they rest, restored cars. Was it Fleury? Yes, Fleury. I'm not sure. Uh, Fleury. And he wanted to get a Chevelle done. So got on some television show, American yeah. television show. And they said, we're going to find you a Chevelle and uh, we're going to restore it. Um, but I, I ask you, going through the process of restoring a vehicle, um, you know, collectibles are interesting business. I was out with a friend of mine who is, is an expert in, in, in the group of seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, nice. And he said there's some paintings that just don't move. They stay at $15,000 and others continue to appreciate to the point of $4 million. Can you make money in that game buying proper vintage vehicles and as such what models do you think have the greatest 
chance for appreciation. I, I, I yeah. like that because, you know, like, when clients get some money, they like to diverse. They got some real estate. They got a cottage. They have some stocks and bonds with Jack and I. A lot of stocks and bonds with Jack and I. A ton of stock and bond with Jack and I. <laughs> but they something like to diversify, perhaps a wine collection that they keep secret from their significant other. <laughs> and, and perhaps a Porsche. I know Brad Lamb likes collecting Porsches. He said they were great uh, investments, the vintage Porsches. So yeah, what, what's yeah. your opinion on that? Yeah, so personally, I restore and modify uh, vintage BMWs. I'm a, I'm a big uh, vintage BMW what, what, car what, what year? Yeah, so I have a 1972 2002 TI, a 91 E30, an E36, E46. Oh, I can't keep up. Yeah, you're sorry, you're right, right. So, whoa. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so you said a 1972? Yeah, so the 1972. So we'll, we'll take the M3 E30, for example. Um, so one M3 E30 that, that we have, you know, at one time I picked it up for, for 20000 and now those are estimated at roughly 100000 So what year was the M3 E330? Yeah, that? so that one's a 91. Oh, that's a 91. Yeah, yeah. So um, and I'm sorry, you, you you bought it at for twenty. Twenty. And yeah. it's now worth thirty. No, now it's worth a hundred. And and how much did you put into it? How much did you put into Nothing. it? Nothing. I, I yeah. The more original, um, the better for the cars. You don't want them to. Well, be... that's what I was gonna say. If you're gonna restore a car, you have to restore it with original parts. You can't just go out and get aftermarket Absolutely, parts yeah. and, and you know realize that value. People don't want to buy a an old classic car with new parts in it, right? Well, yeah. But, but a lot of these classic cars are they not putting in different size, different motors? They're not putting in the stock motor. They're they're upsizing those motors. If if you want to go that route and you're not looking, you know, to keep it uh, completely authentic, of course you can put a different engine in it. But if you find a rare classic that has original engine, orig- original panels, like all the VINs are matching, it's it's you hit gold. As an investor, you want to as an investor in cars and uh, buying large cars are a terrible investment. I'm going to start with that. Yeah, but right, but 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 as a, but as a classic car, you want to make sure that it's as original as possible. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. For an investment. So so yeah, so your hot pick. All right, Jack, I need to stock pits. Your hot pick then is an M3 E30 1991 <laughs> Beamer. Yeah, well, I mean, not anymore. They, they've already taken their appreciation, but uh, you can... Look at Beyonce. What's the next trade? Yeah, so, okay, so now you can also make a lot of money. It doesn't necessarily just have to be a classic car. So if you're constantly doing your research, so for example, in 2010, uh, the Porsche GT3 RS, that was the last year that they said they were coming out with the manual gearbox. Right. So now my dad took that car, for example, and and purchased it. And after they announced that there was no more manual gearbox, those prices just skyrocketed. When he sold it, he made close to two hundred thousand dollars flipping that car. So it's not even just the classic cars. It's the cars. You just have to be with the trend and see what's limited production. What did they done on this car? That's not going to be in future models. You know what I mean? It's just doing. Gets your back re- to supply and demand, right? Yeah. But you know, it also gets back to it. Gets back to product knowledge and doing your homework. Hey, Demi, can you hang out with us for another hit? I would love to. All right, uh, <laughs> more more with Demi Shalkus, uh, race car driver, car buff extraordinaire uh jack Harlow, of course in the studio with me and uh hi-fi radio will be back right after this making money is the best so how do you make more money come on back after this you're listening to hi-fi radio from global news radio 640 toronto let the good times roll let them make you a clown Welcome back to the show. It is Hi-Fi Radio. I am Wolfgang Klein, your host. It's a show about money. It's a show about making it and saving it and growing it and compounding it. Jack and I are getting into a compound discussion after our uh, interview here with uh, Demi Shelkus. She's a race car driver. We've had her on the show before. She's just at the auto show. She's a car buff. She restores cars. She trades cars. Uh, she loves cars. And it's a treat to have her on the radio. So uh, tell us. 
Miss Race Car Driver, uh, how is your career going for 2019? What's on the circuit? Yeah, 2019 is going to be huge, to be honest. Um, I'm going to be racing not only just one, but two different series. So I actually just uh, just shook hands yesterday and confirmed uh, my, my partnership with uh, the Nissan Micra series. So that's going to be uh, all across um, Ontario and Quebec. What, so, kind of, what kind of vehicle is that you're going to be racing? So it's the Nissan Micra. It's a, it's a spec series. It's a small car, but those things are like they put on the best racing. Because when you're, when you're racing a spec series, everything's leveled out for the most part, right? So it just really comes down to driver. And uh, so that one I'll be racing Trois-Rivières, Mont-Tremblant. Victoria Day Speed Fest at Mossport, which will be like all my dreams. I've lo- I've dreamed of racing that weekend there with them. Isn't that exciting? Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to be doing that series, and I'm also going to be racing uh, a new BMW for me in Pirelli GT Sprints and CASC. So I'll be uh, GT2, I believe, GT2 or GT3, which is playing with the top guys up there. So I'm hoping to take home a championship in both series. It's going to be uh, new cars for me, both of them. So it'll be it'll be huge. I'll be racing almost every weekend, and if not racing, I'll be um, up at the track instructing. And so with the Nissan Micra team, I'll be racing with 360 Motorsport, and it's me and uh, my my racing partner. His name is Daniel Bois, who I look up to as a, as an idol in, in many ways. And we're actually, uh, we're developing a program called From Carts to Cars. And so essentially what that is, we're going to be mentoring uh, young kids getting out of go-karting and how to transition into racing. So we're going to be doing that with the Nissan Micras. And it will, it will be like even just fundamental things like teaching them how to drive standard and then um, how to transition in, uh, you know, a racing car technique then from go-karting because it's, it, it is, it is, it's fairly the same, but it's also very different. Isn't that something, Demi? So, uh, if, if I may, how old are you? I'm 25. You're 25. Um, but so born, therefore, in 2000. Excuse me, Three. you were born in 2003? Oh, no, sorry, no, 19, no, 1993. <laughs> 1993, which still makes you a uh, millennial. Yeah, uh, which is good. Uh, you are a millennial. They say so many bad things about you people. They, they do, they say, don't they? I don't they, think they, I'm they that really, bad. They, 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 but you know, some, I'm a Gen Xer, and at the time we were we were dropouts, we were deadbeats, we didn't bathe. <laughs> uh, but then somehow we all we all got dot com rich. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, my you know, the irony is that there's 90 million millennials out there, um, and household formation is soon to begin. I, I, I shared this with you because it's actually part of our bigger macro strategy mm-hmm. uh, in terms of investing. You know, something at 25 at some point you may want to have a family. And uh, mm-hmm. buy yourself a house and settle down and hang up the keys. I don't know if you will, um, <laughs> but but in terms of de- de- developing your own career, you know it's difficult out there. I speak to a lot of my clients who have uh, children your age, and I like to ask you know do a checkup how the kids are doing, and it's not easy. Without mm-hmm. question, it's not easy out there. And so I commend you because you really are um, uh, heading into uncharted territory uh, with what you are doing with your career. So tell us about the, the challenges of your career and the uh, the, the positive. Uh, fruit that you were able to uh, bear. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, making a name for yourself and making a career in the racing industry is difficult all on its own, regardless of gender, put that aside. It's just a very difficult industry to be in. So I'm grateful to be able to say, this is what I do, you know, in in instructing performance driving and now racing, that's my full-time thing that I do. But it's been a long journey to get here. By no means was anything handed to me. When I, when I left university to pursue racing, I knew, I knew I was up against a lot. I didn't know to what extent it was. It turned out to be, um, I want to say a little bit harder than what I expected, but that was okay. I took it on as a, as a challenge. And it's just, you got to put your head down 
and uh, don't get you know too full of yourself for anything and just work hard. Work hard. Like I, I work multiple jobs to save up for my first race car, and I continued working multiple jobs even throughout my racing seasons, trying to work both trying to invest personally for myself. I do like real estate, and I do like investing in real estate, and and to build for my future to have passive income. And I also wanted to make racing work. So I I. I I worked twice as hard to make sure that in case racing for myself, you know, took longer. I'm not going to say that it didn't work out because I know if I put my mind to something, it's going to happen. Just at what time was it going to happen for me? I just wanted to make sure that I could still continue to support myself uh, behind the scenes as well. So it's hard. And I think that some of the fantastic things that have come from it is I've I've very humbly become uh, a role model for some people. The messages that I get saying, you know what, Demi, like your journey has been inspiring. We were following you while you were still in school and then when you started go-karting and then to see you flourish in in this way um you know it's been inspiring and actually i just i'm going to be signing with two different uh companies to be a motivational speaker for elementary school kids across uh the elementary schools in hamilton as well so um inspiring people and and motivational speaking is something that i'm super passionate about and to mix that with racing and to be able to call it a career it's that all on its own has been the biggest reward I could ever ask for in life. Well, you know what I see you do as well, Demi? Again, this goes beyond being a car racer um, and, 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 a, and a motivational speaker, is you, you have to really wear a multitude of hats. You, you juggle many balls in the air. Uh, mm-hmm. You ever tried juggling two balls, Jack? <laughs> Not so easy to do. <laughs> I, I think I can manage two or three. I don't know about that, yeah. though. <laughs> <laughs> but um, in, in, ter- in terms of sponsorship, you you're nowhere as a racer. You're nowhere as, as you know, a ski racer. As a flip, mm-hmm. flip you need you need money, and, yeah. and, and as such, you, you look to the corporate world. You look to the sponsorship world. How do you get heard? How do they take Demi seriously? And I don't mean once you're in front of them. I mean to actually get the initial appointment. Yeah. Rejection, rejection, rejection. Who, who, who mm-hmm. are you? Yeah, be at the right place at the right time. Research your industry see what events are going on, see what companies you should be in touch with, see who's running those companies and and always just be, you know, have have a, a genuine approach to you. Never be like, oh, uh, I don't know, walk in there and just be like, I need money, money, money. Build a relationship. I worked for free for so many companies. I come, you know what? Yes, I'll fly myself out to Las Vegas to do filming for you guys at SEMA so that you have somebody to represent you there. Um, I'll work the auto show for free every year just so that, you know, you have somebody at the booth to, you know, talk about your product. I worked for free at the auto show for five years in a row just to establish relationships. This was the first year in five years that I actually got paid um, to work at the auto show. And it's, uh, you know, people, I feel um, one of the biggest mistakes that they have is that they feel like people owe them something. And so when they approach people, they're like, well, look what I can do. Look what I have. I want to be a race car driver. Yeah, but how hard are you willing to work for it? You know what I mean? Like, what are you willing to do for you? Got to be okay with, you know, humbling yourself, putting yourself down to earth and just like saying, okay, you know what? Why don't I, why don't I give something to them? I got to give back. To receive, you got to give. So you know what? Me working for free and, and, and doing a bunch of things and actually spending money out of my own pocket to build these relationships, it, it's paid off all in the end. And I think one of the biggest mistakes that I've seen people is, um, A, they, they expect too much without giving anything and, um, and they expect it all at once. They don't, they don't know that building a relationship or uh, building a career takes time. Yes, I want it all, and I want it now. Yeah. You know, the, Demi, that, that's huge, huge wisdom that you just shared with our audience. Give it for free. Yeah. Give it for free, mm-hmm. right? Show your worth, 
demonstrate character, right? Yep, yep. Everything. Up front first. First give, and then you shall receive. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Very biblical, my good friend. And very, then, very biblical. Uh, Demi, we are out of time. Sure. Uh, the Demi's Jesus got on the first lap there. <laughs> her, her engine's roaring. But unfortunately, Jock and I have to talk about compounding, my good friend. Nice. Uh, <laughs> it's exciting, isn't it? More it is, actually. More of Radio right after this. Stay with us. There's more shows still to come. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the show about money. It is Hi-Fi Radio. I'm Wolfgang Klein, your host, Jack Arl, your co-host. And, oh, those are interesting and often fatal words. I want it all, and I want it now. Hey, Jack, in our business, it's about patience. It's about time. Uh, it's not about get rich quick. It's fun when you're a teenager and you're at a big stadium. Sure, we can sing all those wonderful phrases. That wasn't anthem, by the way. Yeah, they can be dangerous words. I want it all. I want it now. It, it leads to people to take risks that a lot of the times they really don't understand. Mm-hmm. And it ends up with results that they, a lot of the time, didn't really expect. You know, you want to talk about um, dividends? Uh, that Queen, A Night of the Opera record that I gave you. Uh, what's it worth, by the way? I looked at it up in the new market. I think it's $35 for that record. Yeah. 35 bucks for a piece of vinyl. I and they got a Greatest Hits one up there for about 50 I can't Which is they, unbelievable I can't, I can't for vinyl. That. Really? A Greatest Hits. I'm digging around the $5. Uh, the, the <laughs> five, <laughs> yeah, trying to go. find ones that aren't scratched. <laughs> See, there you go. Jack's in the $5 bin. And maybe it's the quality you should, you should be buying. Uh, I, li- I like buying them uh, from the $5 bin because I know that they're hopefully original records. I'm not doing an authentication, but I know that they're not new records. That's for sure. And we were talking to Demi before, and they're rare, right? So they're in demand, and it's nice when you can get uh, as a collector something that was original as opposed to something that's been reproduced. But same thing with vinyl; you have to. You're in the five dollar bin, Jack, which yeah. means they haven't appreciated. Uh, you're, you're not which is in, fine. Which is fine. I'm good well, with that. I'm well, buying. I'm buying cheap. I'm buying those cigarette butts, and you never know. Maybe one of those ones will turn into a gem. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, this cigarette butt. That was that was a Warren Buffett line or Charlie Munger. Uh, I, I think it was Warren Buffett. But the the, the two of them, they they both uh, started out investing. Buying cigarette butts is what they call them. So stocks that were really out of favor, trying to get one last puff out of them, yep. right? That one last hit. Yeah. And I, I think Buffett realized through Charlie Munger the fact that you're better off actually buying a, a high quality asset, paying a fair price for it. Don't overpay, and then let time and compounding work in your favor. You know, I'm reading an amazing piece right now. Um, got it from Collaborative Fund 2018. It is called The Psychology of Money. It's about a 20-page report uh, written by Morgan Housel, uh, the Collaborative Fund. It is absolutely brilliant. And, you know, compound interest. I learned about compounding when I was a young boy, Jack. I had a paper route for the Toronto Star. I had 35 customers. Uh, I don't know, I got paid a couple bucks a week. $5 tips at Christmas. Christmas was the best. Um, I managed to save up $500. And this again would have been 1975. I was 10 years old. I saved up 500 bucks and I went to my local bank, uh, the National Trust down the street uh, in the hood, Jane and Wilson. <laughs> and I bought myself a GIC, 7.5% compound. Uh, and so uh, was it a five-year GIC? Uh, no, I don't think it was. Probably two or three-year GIC compound interest. Um, and my dad spoke about compound interest. And he said, well, if, if you spend your interest you know, your money won't grow. You must let your interest generate interest and do that over a long period of time. Um, Warren Buffett is a rich man because he's smart, but more importantly, equally as important, 
Warren Buffett is a rich man because he has held on to things for the long haul. He's been investing for 75 years. Never did he want it all and want it now. It's the 75 years of investing that has allowed Warren Buffett to be, Jack, is he the richest man in the world? At about, what, $80 billion or something like that? Or second he's richest man not the, the richest. He's, gonna, top he's, he's top three. Top five. Yeah. Uh, and one of the reasons why he is the richest, he had a process. He had an investment process that worked for him. Uh, and like you said, age... No longer on his side, but he has used age very wisely and let compounding work for him. But again, one of his funny companies that he owns is a company called Seize Candy. I don't even know if I've even eaten any Seize Candy. But I bet you have. It's really good I, chocolate. It's, it's it's an amazing brand. It, it is, eh? Yep. And, and, and Jack, you believe he purchased that company when? My guess yeah. is the mid-70s. In the mid-70s. And so he still holds that company today. He still writes about that company in his annual report. And his return on his cost is, is off he, he, the I think I think he probably receives dividends now from that stock or yes. that company uh, in excess of what he paid for it. Yes, it's incredible. So, um, look, we just came through a market crash. Uh, that, that is still a fresh wound, I think, in people's minds. Uh, you know, Some people are still just opening up the statements now and say, holy jumping, last quarter uh, of 2018, it was awful. Uh, I want to make money now. I want to make money every year. And that is not what the world, certainly of the markets, is all about. The markets go from lower left to upper right over an extended period of time. The odds are totally in your favor. But you want the odds against you? Try to play the microcosm of the market, the short squiggles. Uh, Tighten your time horizon. You're probably going to be very disappointed. Extend your time horizon. Warren Buffett sees candy three decades, four decades, his annual dividend is now more, according to Jack Hartle, is now. I more believe than what, I said, yeah, and I bet you're right. I know, I know people who own bank stocks where they bought them 30 years ago. For sure, on yep. Canadian bank stocks, and their current dividend is about what they. Those bank stocks back 40 years ago, Canadian bank stocks were three and four dollars. Bank stocks today pay dividends per year of three and four dollars. This is Hi-Fi Radio, a show about money. You want to listen to it each and every week. Uh, it will help you become a wealthier, uh, more prosperous individual. We promise. More of it each and every week. I'm Wolfgang Klein, the Global Radio News Network, 640 in Toronto. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week.